be seated. Take your copy of God's Word, please, and find Psalm 23. We're beginning a new series this morning that we're calling, as you see, the Shepherd Psalm. The Shepherd Psalm. This will be our summer sermon series, and it will take us a while to get through it. It's only six verses, but we're going to take it verse by verse, and of course next week we'll have VBS Sunday, and then we'll have homecoming in there, and various things. We'll be looking at this uh, throughout the rest of the summer. And to be quite honest, it's quite intimidating to preach on such a passage. It's so well known, it's so cherished, it's so beautiful, it's so meaningful, I realize that I'm walking on holy ground when I come to preach upon a passage like this. You may recall its words being read at the bedside of a dying loved one, or you might recall it being read at a funeral of someone very dear to you. Its words are familiar. Uh, They're comforting, and perhaps they're even cozy, kind of like a fire on a cold, cold night. But, you know, that can also pose a tremendous problem as we study it because we can treat it like a comfortable old quilt. We like to just kind of snuggle up with, and it's familiar, and we kind of doze away because we come to Psalm 23, and we feel like, well, I know this. We've got this. But what I want to do this summer is I want to pull the comfortable quilt off, and I want to challenge you to look at it again. And I want you to look at Psalm 23 and listen to it afresh and hear it afresh and to realize something that's crucial. And I want you to get this down if nothing else. And that is Psalm 23 is not just for funerals and dying times. Psalm 23 is not just for funerals and times of death. This psalm is for today. This psalm is for every day. This psalm is for all of life. And this summer, as we study it, I want you to see it as we go through it verse by verse. And I want to pose a couple challenges to you. All right, I've got two challenges in mind I want to give to you. I want to challenge you, first of all, beginning today and throughout our time together in Psalm 23, I want to challenge you to read Psalm 23 at least once every day. Read it at least once every day. Post it where you can see it. Uh, Wherever you look often during the day, put it on your mirror Uh, Set it up as the screensaver on your phone. Uh, Put it where you first wake up. But I want to challenge you to read Psalm 23 through once every day. Read it through one time. Now, I thought about giving you a copy of it and printing it out, but I said, no, I want you to interact with Psalm 23. I want you to print it out in the the size that you need so you can see these. I want you to write it out by hand. I want you to make it however you want it to be and however it will fit your space. But take some time and interact with Psalm 23, whether you're writing it out or looking it up or printing it out or whatever. Put it someplace where you can get a hold of it. Uh, Put it someplace you're going to see it in at least once a day, maybe as soon as you wake up in the morning or maybe right before you go to sleep at night. Read Psalm 23. The second challenge I want to give you as we study is I want to challenge you, if you've never done it before, to memorize Psalm 23. Now, I already can feel the... The, the, the woes, and I can't do and Listen, here's some exciting things. We're going to read it together every time we study it. So you're going to get that reinforcement. Every time we're going to read it this morning, we're going to read it every time together off the screen so you can help memorize it. And by the way, you're going to read it every day if you take the first challenge. And if you read this every day for a couple of months, it's not only going to be a passage that's in your Bible, it's going to be in your heart. And it's going to be something real to you and something that will help you And it will be a blessing to you. The stories that I've already read about Psalm 23 comforting people 
through times of heartache and through times of uh, challenges with medical challenges and, and times where they have life-threatening uh, things going on, to be able to recall these words to your heart as a child of God will be a tremendous blessing to you. One of the greatest favors I can do, I think, for everybody here is to challenge you, if you've never done it before, to memorize Psalm 23. And if you've already memorized, then you can move right to meditation. You can begin to kind of meditate and chew the cud like a cow does and kind of mull these truths over, okay? And so we're going to say it together today. Uh, we're going to do it in the traditional uh, King James because a lot of us grew up with this and it's what we memorize, it's what we know, and it's kind of hard to improve upon Psalm 23 in the translation, isn't it? And so if you don't know it, you can read it off the screen. If you know it, you can kind of quote it as we go along today. We're going to read it out loud. Beginning at verse 1, Psalm 23, read the entire passage, and we'll do this. This is my commitment to you. You hold me to it. We're going to do this every time we study it. Okay, so at least uh, we have six verses before us, right? And so we're going to have six different messages, and we're going to read this uh, together each time. Are you all ready to read? You ready to quote if you know it? All right, let's do it. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for Thou art with me. Thy rod and Thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this wonderful, marvelous passage of Scripture. I pray for this study, Lord, that you would seal these truths to our hearts, work in our hearts, and help us be obedient as the Spirit leads. And I ask this. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, today we're going to be looking at the very first verse, Psalm 23, verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And I need to tell you, this is the key verse. Everything else in the psalm flows from the first five words of the psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. And you can use your hand, if you're starting to memorize this, you want to meditate on it, you can use your hand to memorize and meditate upon the first five words, those key words, the Lord is my shepherd, you can do this. In fact, according to an old story, two hikers out in the Welsh mountains, they came across a young man keeping his sheep. And they got to talking about shepherding and all those sorts of things. And they eventually ended up talking about Psalm 23. And one of the men, he told the boy, he says, think of the five fingers on your left hand and let each finger stand for a word. And you can meditate on Psalm 23, verse 1, by grasping each finger one at a time with your right hand. So he showed him how to do it. He gripped his thumb and he said, this stands for the. This stands for the. That's an emphatic beginning. Next, your index finger, uh, it stands for uh, the Lord. And so he grasped his index finger and he told the boy to ponder the goodness of God and the grace of the Lord Jesus who loved him. And then he said, your longest finger, uh, the man said that stands for the word is. The word is. The Lord is alive here with you right now in the present tense. And then the fourth finger, 
The fourth finger stands for that word, that very personal word, my. He says a wedding ring, after all, on that fourth finger, reminds us of a personal and exclusive relationship with the one that we love. The Lord is my. And then the little finger, the pinky, what's it stand for? Shepherd, right? And he says, when you come to the end of your hand, or the end of any task, or even the end of your life, you'll find the shepherd is still there. The shepherd is still there abiding with you always. Well, this boy, he's a shepherd boy out in the West Mountains. He hardly ever came upon visitors and had conversation. So he just enjoyed this conversation and he soaked in all the words, the Lord is my shepherd. So try it. Grasp your thumb. The Lord is my shepherd. So as long as you got your hand with you, you can remember that, right? Those five words are incredible. The Lord is my shepherd. As I've meditated upon the truth, because this is my passage for the year. This is what I'm personally, what I personally took for 2018 to study and ponder and meditate on personally. And I want to share with you some of what God is teaching me. I realize that this simplifies my life tremendously. Because if the Lord is my shepherd, and He is, then my job is to simply follow Him. He's the shepherd. I'm the sheep. And it's just clarifying. It's so, it's so simple. My job is to follow the shepherd because the Lord is my shepherd. And so I want to dig in a little bit more here in verse 1 when it comes to our Lord. And let's look at this verse together, all right? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I want you to notice, first of all, who He is. The first two words tell us what? He is the Lord. Now grasp your thumb again. The. We're talking about meditating on this. What in the world can you think about when it comes to the word the? Well, he's the Lord. The Lord. Not just one God among many. He's the only true God. He's the God of the universe. The Lord. And then your index finger, remember, stands for Lord. Lord. In your Bible, as you read it today, it's probably in maybe a large capital and a small capital. Uh, it's the title, the meaning Yahweh or Jehovah. It's God's great covenant name. James Merritt said that the Hebrew name Yahweh is used over 4,000 times in the Bible. And it's the most respected name for God in all the Scripture. The name was so sacred, beloved, to the Hebrew people that whenever they were reading their Bible publicly, they wouldn't speak the name. They wouldn't even speak the name. In fact, he said only the high priest could say this name aloud and only once in the Holy of Holies on the Day of Atonement. Now, I got to thinking about it. It's a far cry from the way we treat God's name today, isn't it? We use God's name as a swear word or we hit our thumb or whatever. And that, by the way, is taking the Lord's name in vain. But Yahweh was such a sacred, special name, they wouldn't even say it out loud. And Yahweh is a combination of three Hebrew, uh, three tenses of the Hebrew verb to be. I know that's a lot to take in. It literally means this. I am, always have been, and always will be. That's what it means. The Lord. I am, always have been, always will be. James Merritt says his very name shows us that God is a 24-hour-a-day God, the sovereign of the universe. He is omnipotent. He's all-powerful. He is omniscient, all-knowing. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere in all of His being all at the same time. He is the Lord, the I Am, 
He's always been. Jehovah. So we notice who He is. He's the Lord. But notice next what He is. He's my shepherd. He's my shepherd. Before we note what He is, let's focus on that word, the Lord is. Let's think about that word is for a moment. Remember, your tallest finger there stands for the word is. Adrian Rogers, who you know that I love, he's in heaven now. But he told a story that when he was in Florida years ago, he went and heard the great black preacher S.M. Lockridge. And S.M. Lockridge was preaching on the Lordship of Christ. And he quoted this verse. And he stopped right here when he said, the Lord is. The Lord is. And he began to talk about that word is. And he said, the Lord always has been is. And the Lord always will be is. <laughs> and Adrian Rogers said, I like that. He was talking about the eternality, the unchangeability, the immutability of our great God. And S.M. Lockridge said this, you can't keep your tenses straight when you talk about our God. Because he's the great I am. I am. He is. He is my shepherd right now. If you're a child of God, He is your shepherd right now. Who He is, He's the Lord. What He is, He's my shepherd. He's our shepherd. Now notice how personal this is. David didn't say the Lord is a shepherd. He didn't even say the Lord is the shepherd. He said the Lord is my shepherd. That changes it completely, doesn't it? It's just like you can say, well, there is a wife or... There is a wife over there, but this is my wife. You see the difference? See the difference? That, that relationship of my makes all the difference in the world. Have you noticed that Psalm 23, you may be on it most of your life. Um, have you noticed it's written from the vantage point of a sheep? Did you notice that? It's almost like a sheep's out in the field and here comes the shepherd and the sheep is you know, chewing along. He looks up and goes... Ah, that's my shepherd. That's kind of the idea, right? The Lord is my shepherd. It's written from the vantage point of a sheep. The personal prayer of my makes all the difference in the world. Remember the ring finger? The Lord is my shepherd. My shepherd. It's a personal relationship. Many years ago, one of England's leading actors was asked to recite for the pleasure of his fellow guests and he consented and said, okay, I'll, I'll recite anything special uh, that you all want to hear. And, of course, I'm southernizing it. He was a very distinguished English actor. He wouldn't say anything you all want to hear. But uh, after a moment's notice and pause, an old clergyman there said, could you, sir, recite to us the 23rd Psalm? Remember, he's asking this to one of England's leading actors. And a strange look passed over the actor's face and he paused a moment. He said, um, I can and I will under one condition. And he says, after I have recited it, you, my friend, will do the same. And the preacher said in surprise, I? But I'm not an elocutionist. However, if you wish, I will do so. And so impressively, that great actor, he got up and he began the psalm and his uh, voice and his intonation were perfect. And he held his audience spellbound. And as he finished reciting the 23rd Psalm, a great burst of applause just erupted in the room as they heard this great actor recite this great psalm. 
And then as it died away, all the applause and the congratulation of the old clergyman arose. And he began to quote the 23rd Psalm. And his voice was not remarkable and his intonation was not faultless. And when he finished, there were no applause to break the silence. But there was not a dry eye in the room. And many heads were bowed. The great actor arose to his feet. And his voice shook as he laid his hand upon the shoulder of the old clergyman. And here's what the actor said. He said, I reached your eyes and ears, my friends, but he reached your hearts. The difference is just this. I know the 23rd Psalm, but he knows the shepherd. That's the difference, beloved. It's one thing to know the 23rd Psalm. It's one thing to be able to quote it and to say it. The real key is, do you know the shepherd? Can you say the Lord is my shepherd? Do you know the shepherd today? Can I just tell you his name is Jesus? I'll give you these references and I'll read the scripture for you, but, but listen as you jot them down. Did you know Jesus referred to himself as shepherd? John chapter 10 and verse 14, he says, I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep. Boy, isn't that a blessing? I know my sheep and am known by my own. We know that Jesus died for the sheep. John chapter 10, verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Did you know that Jesus leads his sheep? He leads those of us who are his followers. Hebrews 13, 20 and 21 says it this way. Now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do His will, working in you what is well-pleasing in His sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Did you know that Jesus is coming again to reward His sheep? First Peter chapter 5, verse 4. And when the chief shepherd appears, even so come, Lord Jesus, when the chief shepherd appears, you'll receive the crown of glory that does not Fade away. Now, the interesting thing about this passage, beloved, is this. If he's the shepherd, that leaves us the role of sheep. I don't know how much you know about sheep. From what I know about sheep and studying about sheep, you know, sheep are practically helpless. You don't hear about the wild roaming sheep on the mountaintop side, do you? There comes a great herd of sheep. No, no, no. They need a shepherd. Just like we need a shepherd. Isaiah 53, 6 says it this way. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. We're sheep. We're helpless. We're hurting. We're broken. And we have a shepherd available, but for him to be our shepherd, he must first be our Savior. Do you know him today? Have you repented of your sin and turned from your sin and placed your faith in Jesus Christ alone? If not, why don't you do that today? Make him your Savior. Make him your shepherd. Well, five fingers. You've got them. Left hand. The Lord is my shepherd. We know who He is. He's the Lord. 
We know what he is. He's my shepherd. And if that's true, if you can say the Lord is my shepherd, then I want you to notice a third point today, and that is what we have. What we have. We've talked about the first five words of verse 1. Let's talk about the rest of verse 1. What do we have, beloved, if the Lord is our shepherd? We have everything. Because the next four words, I shall not want, has the idea of lacking nothing. You could say it this way, the Lord is my shepherd, I have all that I need. Now the question is, how can David say that? How can we say that? Well, because of the first five words. Because the Lord is our shepherd. I shall not want. These last four words are where we ought to drop the ball and fumble and fail. We're okay with the first five words. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Amen. But it's those last four words we really struggle with at times. I shall not want. I don't need anything else. Because I have everything. Now, We'll see more of what we have in the Lord as we continue to study. And I hope you'll be here and I hope you'll learn along with us. But I just want to kind of summarize this morning and maybe even whet your appetite a little bit about what we have because the Lord is our shepherd. Robert Morgan's, Robert J. Morgan's a great author, great Christian author, a pastor uh, out in uh, Tennessee, I think it is. And I recommend any of his books to you. But he mentioned, as I was studying this past week, uh, that all of our needs, all of our needs end with the same six letters. T-E-R-N-A-L, ternal. All of our needs end with the same six letters. We have external needs, we have eternal needs, and we have internal needs. And he talked about the fact that all these are met by our shepherd. External needs are things like food and clothing and provisions and finances and the necessities of life. And we have those because of our shepherd. Eternal needs. What is that? Well, that's things like a relationship with God and salvation and heaven and everlasting life. We have that because of our shepherd. And then there are those internal needs. You say, what are those? Things like love and meaning and purpose and Friendship and peace and reassurance and resilience and courage. We have those because of our shepherd. Old J. Wilbur Chapman put it even more eloquently. Now this is a lot and I'm going to say it fast. Can you all listen fast? And you'll want to want a copy of what I'm about to share with you. In fact, I'll give you a copy. Email me. Ask me after the service. I'll put a copy in your hand to meditate on. But I'm just whetting your appetite. You don't have to get all this down. I'll give you a copy of it. But I want you to think about, I shall not want. I lack nothing. I have all that I need. Here's what J. Wilbur Chapman said. He died, lived in the 1800s, 1859 to 1918. Here's what he says. You'll notice David does not say, I shall not need. It is a far better word he uses. I shall not want. We often want many things we do not need. Anybody guilty? The more we come to understand that the Lord is our shepherd, the more our wants and needs become identical and we can say, as David said, I shall not want. If this 23rd Psalm be the valley of our present day experience, then we shall want for nothing he does not supply. I shall not want rest. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. I shall not want drink. He leadeth me beside the still waters. I shall not want forgiveness. 
He restoreth my soul. I shall not want guidance. He guideth me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. I shall not want companionship. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for Thou art with me. I shall not want comfort. Thy rod and Thy staff, they comfort me. I shall not want food. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. I shall not want joy. Thou hast anointed my head with oil. I shall not want anything. My cup runneth over. I shall not want anything in this life. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall not want anything in eternity. Why? For I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, ain't that good? Pardon my grammar. But ain't that good? But it gets better. Because J. Wilbur Chapman said this. This is what David said he would find in the Good Shepherd. And one day it occurred to me to see how this 23rd Psalm was fulfilled in Christ. And this is what I found in Christ's own words. I'm not going to give you the references. I'll give you a copy of it. If you'd like to have a copy, just let me know. But I'm just going to read what Jesus said, alright? I am the Good Shepherd. Thou shalt not want rest. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Thou shalt not want drink. If any man thirst, let him come to me and drink. Thou shalt not want forgiveness. The Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. Thou shalt not want guidance. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Thou shalt not want companionship. Lo, I am with you always. These are the words of Jesus. Thou shalt not want comfort. The Father shall give you another comforter. Thou shalt not want food. I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. Thou shalt not want joy, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. Thou shalt not want anything. Whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Thou shalt not want anything in this life. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. And thou shalt not want anything in eternity. I go to prepare a place for you, that where I am, there ye may be also. Do you know the shepherd? If you do, you have all that you need. That's a lot to ponder. That's a lot to to hang on. And that's why we're going to take our time and go through verse by verse. You see, beloved, the Lord is our shepherd. If that's true, we have everything This psalm, it's a psalm for every day. It begins in the present tense, the Lord is my shepherd right now. And we know that's true as we end our lives because that's the last verse say. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And so it ends up my life here. And then what about after that? Well, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You, You remember that young shepherd boy I told you about that the fellows taught the five-finger exercise too. The Lord is my shepherd. Well, let me tell you the rest of the story. The following year, those men returned on another hiking trip. And this time they stopped by a small wayfaring house for a cup of tea. And they, was, they were there enjoying their tea. On the table, there was a picture. As they looked at the picture, it was the very boy... They'd met a year earlier out keeping a sheep that they had taught, the Lord is my shepherd. 
And they asked about this boy. I mean, obviously they were intrigued by the fact that this same boy was there on the table in the picture. And the woman, she put down her cup. She composed herself. She said, yes, that was my son. He died last winter in a storm. He fell down a cliff and he laid there for a long time. And only later did we find him. Now you can imagine absorbing this news, these two hikers, as they're talking with this mother who had lost her son. And in the ensuing stillness, she said this, there was something strange about it, though that we've never understood. She said, when we found him, his right hand was grasping the fourth finger on his left hand. Ah, said one of the men with a soft smile. We can explain that. That boy died holding on to that fourth word. The Lord is my shepherd. That personal relationship. Beloved Christian, can I just remind you today that He is your shepherd right now. Your shepherd right now. He'll shepherd you all the days of your life. All of the days. The good days, the bad days, the sad days, the glad days, the hard days, the happy days. He'll shepherd you. He's your shepherd. He's your shepherd right now. He's your shepherd tomorrow. He's your shepherd next week. He's your shepherd when you're in the hospital, when you're on your deathbed. And can I just tell you this, beloved? If you know the Lord Jesus, when this life is over, He'll shepherd you home. So I want you to hang on to this psalm because you're going to need it. And I need it. And never forget, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And our job is simple. Our job is to follow. Think about a song I used to sing from time to time. Follow, follow. I will follow Jesus anywhere, everywhere. I will follow on. Follow, follow. I will follow Jesus anywhere He me, I will follow on. Father, thank you for these wonderful truths that we've studied today. You are the Lord, the unchanging, immutable, eternal, omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient God of the universe. And you, Lord, are not only our Creator, but as we place our faith in Christ, we know He is our Savior and our Shepherd. Would you seal these truths to our hearts? May we never be the same again after this time of just thinking about those five words. The Lord 
is my shepherd. I pray if anybody today does not have that assurance, they would place their faith in Christ as we have this time of invitation. Draw them by the Holy Spirit. Show them their need of Christ. Convict them of their sin. And bring them to saving faith, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Our closing hymn, I think, is an appropriate one. If you need to be saved today and know the shepherd, we'd love to introduce the shepherd to you, the Savior, the Lord Jesus. If you want to come and pray, maybe you're going through some things in your life, you just want to come and pray and ask for his shepherding in your life. The altar is open for you as well. 52, he leadeth me, O blessed thought. He leadeth me, he leadeth me. It's the idea of following him. The altar is open. You come as we stand together and sing. 52, he leadeth me.